In a world that is feeling more distant, God is closer than you think. Journey, I could not be more excited to introduce our, we called him a guest speaker, but it doesn't actually feel right to call him a guest speaker because uh, he's not a guest here at Journey. He and his wife, Stacy, are part of the Journey Church family. Uh, I've got a chance to meet uh, Drew when he very first got here, and our hearts are connected in kind of a unique way. Uh, Drew and his wife, they lead the Navigators ministry, uh, ministry to college students at MSU, and that was what I did for most of my adult ministry life, is work with college students. So our hearts beat for the next generation. We're excited about what they're doing up on the campus. Uh, there's some things that I can tell you very, very confidently uh, about Drew, having watched his life over the last couple of years. One is he loves his wife. Amen. He loves his wife. He loves and he leads his family well. Drew, you love Jesus. You love Jesus and you love his word. You love how he's revealed who he is through his word and you're very gifted at teaching it and there's a passion to do that. So we're so grateful that we get the opportunity to be able to have you teach us today. Can I pray for you, yeah, Drew, before thanks. you get going? That'd be great. At social distance. Yes, that's I'll just true. hold my, yep, my, my arm out here. I'm a hugger, like Brian said last week. <laughs> and I won't touch your beard, even though I really want to. <laughs> Jesus, uh, we know for anything good to happen in the next 30 minutes, you need to show up. Holy Spirit, I just pray for your anointing over Drew. We are so thankful, Spirit, for the gifts that you've given him to teach the word. Lord, we just pray that your word would go forth in power around our valley and around the world to those that are listening and that our lives would be transformed, that we wouldn't just leave here smarter, more informed, but we would be transformed and our lives would be changed. God, thank you for Drew. Thank you for his family. Thank you for how you're using him to reach the next generation. Jesus, in your powerful name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you, Drew. Thanks, Bob. You bet. Well, Journey, it's great to be with you. Even though it's virtual right now, I want to just give a quick shout out to Bob and the whole team. Um, there's so much work that must go on behind the scenes. I have no idea what it would take to pull off a service online, um, but I know that there's a lot of hard work that goes into it so that you, my friends out there who attend Journey, everyone who's joined in the past uh, several weeks since we've been in this self-isolation phase, I know that we all want to just extend a thank you to Bob and the whole team that works so hard that my family can worship each Sunday morning, together though separate. You know, I think of Jesus teaching in John 4 that he said you'd have to go to a specific spot to be able to worship, but we would worship in spirit and in truth, and the team has really allowed us to do that. I think, uh, Peggy, my kids are elated every time you come on the screen with a base camp update. They giggle and they squeal, and there's Miss Peggy, and we're grateful for all the work behind the scenes here. Today, as we continue in our series of Closer, that in an ever-distancing world, or at least it feels more distance, that God is closer than we think. A.W. Tozer put it this way, we are not as close to God as we want to be, but we're as close to God as we choose to be. And Bob and the team have asked if I would speak on our privilege, the miraculous reality that we get to pray to God. So just a minute ago, while Bob was up here, he prayed for our time together. He prayed that God would move, that God would open up his word to our hearts. Have you paused for a minute and really thought about what is happening when we pray? 
I mean, there, there's several different things. Some people just think we're, we're talking into thin air. Uh, others might think it's just a religious duty, that, that it's just something that I should do because I'm a spiritual person. Or for a lot of us, it's just the official beginning and end of a meeting. Everyone knows we've started now and everybody knows that we've ended. Maybe you pray before a meal and you give thanks or, or, or perhaps you stop and pause at the end of your day before bedtime and pray. One of my earliest memories as a child was my father praying for me at my bedside. I would imagine since this whole COVID-19 pandemic that there is a reality that many of you are praying for much more serious things than perhaps you were before it. On a lighter note, tomorrow marks the start of finals at Montana State University. So I know every student today is praying with earnesty to God to help them. I mean, this week alone, I've, I've been praying for my friends who are local and around the world. This week alone, I've, I've prayed for marriages that are struggling. I've, I've prayed over million-dollar deals that might be about to fall through. I've, I've prayed over uh, COVID-19. I don't know why my family's decided to word it like this, but we keep praying, Lord, would you take this whole disease and just suck it up like a vacuum and get it off the world's some of you have been praying for all kinds of stuff. My little 11-year-old, uh, he turns 11 on Tuesday. He's been praying that Legos would show up that he's been looking for. My little man, my seven-year-old Garrett, he's, he prayed this prayer the other night. He prayed, Lord, let me control my anger. Don't let my anger control me. From a seven-year-old, I was floored. So what is prayer? I, what is it? I submit to you, it is that we are speaking with the God of the universe who hears your words, listens to your voice, and he can affect change in the world around us. But I would imagine if we were all still in the auditorium, the auditorium is basically empty, but right there where you're at, at home, sitting on your sofa, raise your hand if you might answer this true. How many of you would us would say, my prayer life could use a little work? Anybody? My hand would be up. I see probably some hands out there. I would imagine many of us have that sense in us that our prayer life could be better. The first time that I was probably really struck that my prayer life needed a little bit of work, I was in my first year as a navigator staff person. I was working in Amarillo, Texas, and I had a veteran staff named Bruce who was discipling me, training me on how to do campus ministry. And we had decided we were gonna do ministry at a campus two hours away from where we currently were. And we'd met some students over there. We'd been praying for them, encouraging them, trying to disciple them, trying to help them accomplish everything that God was leading them to do. And one day we were making one of these trips over there. And I'll never forget, we got in the car. Bruce came to pick me up. And I brought the two things that every campus minister needs for a two-hour drive. I brought my Bible, okay, because I'm a minister, and I brought my pillow so that I could get a little shut-eye. In college ministry, maybe I'll stay up a little later than I should, but I thought a two-hour drive of straight West Texas roads, man, would be just the perfect time to catch a nap before a long day of ministry. And I opened up the door, and Bruce said, what is that? And I said, the Bible? He's like, no, that pillow. And I said, oh, I thought I might get a little rest. He said, put that thing in the back and get in the car. And we began to drive to Portales, New Mexico. And he said, Drew, how about as we drive, we have a word of prayer? I thought, game on. So he began to pray. He kept his eyes open. He was driving. I bowed my head. I closed my eyes. It's what I do when I pray. And he began by praying, Lord. And I kid you not, he probably spent the next 15, maybe 20 minutes 
just praising God for who he is. It was like I didn't know who he was and Bruce was telling me all about him and all of his characteristics and his holiness and his glory and his majesty and his might and his power and his sovereignty. And he just kept praising God for who he was. I remember thinking he's not asking for anything. And at the end of this time of prayer, which was really sweet, he just stopped praying. He didn't say, in Jesus' name, amen. So I knew it was my turn. So with my head bowed and my eyes closed, I began to pray for everything that I could think of. Bruce went like 15, 20 minutes. I would bet my prayer lasted at least two minutes and 32 seconds. And I'd prayed for about everything I could think of. And I wrapped up my prayer, how you're supposed to wrap up a prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. I opened my eyes. And I hear Bruce say, and Lord, and he moved into a beautiful session as he began to thank God for all that he'd been seeing God do. Stuff that week, stuff in friends' lives, stuff around him that he'd been praying for before. It was like a Thanksgiving dinner type prayer. He was so grateful and thankful for all that God was doing. And he must have prayed this way for, I don't remember, 10 or 15 minutes. It was a long time and he got to the end and he didn't say, in Jesus' name, amen. I thought, He would kind of land the plane there. And so I thought, oh my goodness, it's my turn again. So now I dug even deeper, trying to think what on earth would I pray for now? And I went deep into my prayer list and started praying that like my hair would grow back and my my buddy's hamster would be okay. And I, I think I managed to pray for another minute or two. And this time I was clear. I was very bold, even a little bit louder. In Jesus' name, amen, to wrap up the prayer. And I heard him say, And Lord, and he began to pray for wisdom. After a little while, he said, and Lord, and he began to confess some sin. And after a while, I would try and come up with something and he would say, and Lord, I'd try and do something, and Lord. And he began to just pray over the scriptures that he'd memorized. Praying over people's lives we were about to bump into. Praying over things he'd like to see God do in different people's lives. And we got all the way to our destination. He said, amen. It was that day that I really realized my prayer life needed some work. See, I was in more of what I would kind of call the the request prayer type category. And I think I had failed yet to move to the relationship prayer category. I think I viewed prayer more as like I'm sitting on Santa's lap at the mall with a big list of things that I hope I've been good enough to be able to present to this being who has the ability and power to change or to give me something that I wanted or desired. And I began to realize there was much more to prayer that included worship and talking and communing with the most high God. And it was then that I began to realize what I've titled this message, there is a privilege in prayer. And I know that many of us in the room today, if I said you could meet with God face today, face today you, you would jump up and down at the opportunity. More than a famous athlete or, or perhaps a celebrity or, or, or um, any, any famous person that you might, you get to meet with the almighty God of the universe. That you get to spend time with him. And he gets to hear from you, and you can hear from him. But it kind of begs the question, how does this work? How does this work? Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 gives us insight to this. And it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest 
who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Brothers and sisters, you cannot come up with enough good things to be able to come into God's presence in your own power. It is 100% the doors of heaven have been kicked open and it is 100% that access has been bought to you by the blood of Jesus Christ. That he's the one who goes before us. He's the one who has opened up the pathway to God. That because he lived a perfect life, that he died and he resurrected from the dead, and that I take my sinless life with all my junk, and God says, you know what I'll do? Jesus earned heaven because of his life. Drew, you did not earn heaven because of your life. God allows this holy substitution where I get the credit that was due Jesus, and he took the punishment that was due me. And the reality is because of that good news, I can boldly come into the throne room of God and ask anything that I wish of him. You know, the 12 saw Jesus pray all the time. Sometimes he'd go up on a mountain. Sometimes he'd leave early. Sometimes he would stay up late. And and eventually they kind of blurt out at some point, they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, I I was a little bit shocked when Bob asked me to preach on prayer that I could spend all of 25 minutes on prayer. Do you know what Jesus did when the disciples asked him to teach them how to pray? He gave them what we would call the Lord's Prayer. Pastor Bob, Pastor Brian taught on that several weeks ago on how do we pray through the Lord's Prayer. In the New International Version, the Lord's Prayer is only 52 words long. It says this, and it takes about 20 seconds to say it. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 20 seconds. All the things that you can, if someone asked me in ministry, Drew, teach me about prayer, I've got a semester's worth of stuff that I could go over with folks to teach them about prayer. Jesus did it here, gave us a framework in 20 seconds. And it includes adoration and it includes praying over God's will and it includes our daily needs that we need or forgiveness and confession. It includes all these things that you and I can use in our prayer life to connect deeply with God. Because see, if you boil down the complexities of all that prayer might be and all that you're wrestling with, it really comes down to a simple truth. You have a good dad who loves you as his kid if you're in Christ. It says in John 1.12, it says it this way, yet to all who received him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And unlike maybe the dad that you have, or unlike sometimes the dad that I am, can I tell you what this means, that you've been given the right to become a child of God? It's that you have, ready, 100% of God's attention. This blows me away. The reality that God listens to little old me and little old you. 
And it's not like if I'm praying at the same time that Pastor Bob's praying, that I get one ear of God and Bob gets the other and everybody else is in line. God is God. He is, he is all powerful and can hear every cry that is coming up to his throne right now. Whether people are grieving, whether people are scared with financial or job loss, it doesn't matter how many millions of people are crying out to God right now. You need to know that when you pray to him, you have 100% of his full attention. Side note, I was practicing this sermon last night in my basement at this exact point of giving God, realizing I have 100% of his attention. And my 11-year-old came down the steps and I said, hey, buddy, you got to go somewhere else. Daddy's working on his message. He's like, okay. And I felt like the Lord was like, really? So I called for him. I said, Dad, come on down, man. And he came down the stairs. I said, what'd you need, buddy? And he said, I just wanted a hug. Amen. So I gave him a hug. I told him about where I was at. We both started laughing and he said, am I gonna make it in the sermon? And I said, yeah, you're probably gonna make it in the sermon now. So where's the disconnect? We have a holy, perfect, attentive God ready to listen to us. And yet many of us would say our prayer life needs work. I mean, if I wanna run the least attended meeting on our campus, I do a prayer meeting. It's probably not much different for the church that you go to. And and sadly, it's pretty true for most churches that the least attended meetings are usually prayer and evangelism meetings. And if we get honest with ourselves, the disconnect between I get to spend this time with this holy God, and yet yet I, I think my prayer life still needs work, it's probably because we've become a little bit jaded or, or, or definitely that doubt has crept in. Because see, maybe I've tried to pray, but I didn't get the answer that I wanted. Or maybe you're in the boat of, I didn't get an answer at all. And I would submit to you, yet. Because there's really only three ways that God answers prayers. Yes, no, or wait. My 11-year-old boy, he really likes to play with a machete that's in my garage for yard work. Daddy, can I play with the machete? 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 I want to play with the machete. It's his desire. To an 11-year-old boy, a machete is a rad toy, and he wants to play with it. But as his dad, who's got a few years on him, I understand the wisdom and maybe not letting him have the machete. And there's times, I think, when I've prayed and pleaded with God, please do this, please give me that, please over, that he says, that's not good for you right now, son. So I get a yes, I get a no, or I get a wait. But maybe you've been walking with God for quite a while and you've bumped into the realities that the Bible has a lot to say about prayer and maybe sometimes you're left with a little bit of confusion on what to do with it. The Bible says a lot of different things at different places about prayer, but they have one common thread and I hope we'll put that together. Take the book of James, for instance. It says you do not have because you do not have, excuse me, you do not ask God. Or Matthew 6, where Jesus is speaking, and he says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus teaches in Luke 18, the the whole first eight verses is the parable of the persistent widow who's beating on the door of the judge so that she might get justice. And Jesus is teaching on prayer there that we might pray and not give up when we ask God for something. Jesus also tells us in Matthew 6, verse 7, that when we pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Uh, You know, uh, in one sense, uh, just a verse before, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and your father who is unseen, 
Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. I know someone in the valley that literally has a prayer closet. They built their home, had a little bit of an odd space and they put a chair in there and the wall to the ceiling is chalkboard and it has people's names in it and promises of God in it and scripture written all over it and prayer requests that they're praying and they close that door and I know God sees that family pray when they're in their prayer closet. No one else sees it, but it says that God who sees it, he will reward you. And yet in other places in the scripture, James 5, 14, he says, if anyone's sick, let him call in others. Let him call in the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And so I get it that if you spend time in the word, there may seem like, okay, and it's just a, it, it, it would be wrong to say that there's contradictions, but it can sometimes feel like that. To say there's a contradiction is, a, is an error, I think what it is telling us is that there's so many options when it comes to speaking with God. He's given us all kinds of instruction and resources and realities connect to connecting closer to him. Whatever the situation, big, small, serious, light, he wants to hear the prayers of his people. Jeremiah 33.3 says it this way. He says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. God asks us to pray. Jesus says it in the Sermon on the Mount, not if you pray, but when you pray. It is our great privilege to pray. This month, I've been working with the Navigators and in full-time ministry for 20 years. And I've learned one thing about working with people that long, especially in the area of spiritual life is that people usually land in one ditch or another when it comes to their prayer life. Now, I'm not used to ditches. I grew up in Florida where it's very, very flat. And in Colorado, they had guardrails. But here in Montana, especially on the way to this church, I live north of the church. I come over the highway and then I come down Love Lane. Uh, church is south of me, so I come down on Love Lane. If you've been on that road, you've probably seen these ditches. I'll put a picture up there for you. This is me sitting in one of the ditches right up the road. It's about a quarter mile up the road. Now, listen, I'm a Florida boy. And since it's slick out here and my car squirts around and it's only winter for like, I don't know, 10 months of the year here, I get really nervous around these ditches. These ditches would swallow a semi-tractor trailer truck whole. This picture here is I'm trying to climb out of the ditch and you can just see me waving over the edge. There's about a foot of shoulder and about 18 inches of dirt. Then you're in this monster ditch. They kind of freak me out. But let me tell you, church, I think most people are in one or the other of two different ditches when it comes to prayer. The first one that they're in is they kind of view prayer a little bit like this, okay? Well, I just did that way too much. It's kind of like a, a pixie dust. It, it, I'm just gonna sprinkle a little of this over, 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 over my prayers and, and maybe it's kind of like a, like a spiritual wishing well. And I hope that God would, would do a little something when I, when I sprinkle a little bit of this prayer around. For some of us, we think it's because uh, we're, we're, prayer is for like the weak-minded or, or for folks who won't um, affect change for themselves. And maybe that's you. Maybe your prayer life is, I feel like all I ever do, Drew, it's kind of like a fairy tale thing. I'm just sprinkling some pixie dust. If that's you in that ditch, really what we're saying is, I don't believe prayer works. I don't believe that prayer works. But the other ditch is really no better. It might seem different, but it's no better. The other ditch that we can fall into is, is like a padlock. I got glitter over all over myself now. That's okay. 
Maybe you had one of these when you were in high school, I did, and you come over here and you go 15 to the left and you come back to the right past the 15 to the 33 and you get to the 27 and you pull and if you you get it just right, you can get the lock to come off. And many of us are walking around in our prayer lives thinking somehow it is now all up to me. That if I get my words right, or if, 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 I get, if I get my behavior spot on, or if I say it the right way, or if I do it the right way, then it's kind of like a genie lamp or like this combination lock, and I can unlock the mysteries of all that God wants to do. Can I just tell you, both ditches will derail your prayer life. What God desires is for you to be right down the middle, right down the middle, and that he would see your heart in prayer. God's after your heart, not only your, your position. That You could be on your knees, you could pray, you could close your eyes, you could bow your head, you could fold your hands. Those things, it's fine, that helps me focus sometimes. But God is interested more in your heart than your posture, in, in the, your heart than your behavior, in your heart than the perfect right words in this situation or that. There's a father in the, in the New Testament as he bumped into Jesus. He had a boy who was sick and demon-possessed. And he was praying and asking Jesus to heal him. And it was really, I can't imagine being a dad with your kid being demon possessed. He said oftentimes the demon would throw the boy into the fire, into the water to kill him. And he's desperate. And he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus replies, if, (laughs) if I can do anything, Don't you know who I am? I'm the God of the universe. I'm the one who put the stars into place. I created all things. If I can do something, he says, everything is possible for him who believes. And in Mark 9, 24, the boy's father blurts out a statement that I think is so beautiful. He says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Do you hear it? When we pray, Jesus, I do believe. Would you help me overcome my unbelief? I think it's perhaps the most honest statement in the scriptures. I've used it as a framework when I'm praying things that seem absolutely impossible. And you are allowed to hear after something big or small, serious or light, whatever it is you want to bring before God, you're allowed to hear him say, is that it? I'm God, remember? I have the power to do all things. He is a hundred percent powerful and he is a hundred percent engaged with you remember this is about relationship not just a bunch of do's or don'ts imagine if i relationship with my lovely wife imagine if our relationship the whole sum of our relationship was i'd sit down with her for a few minutes a day and i'd pull out a list of things that i needed her to do okay could you do this would you do that i need help here i need help there What a miserable marriage we would have. That if we spent just a few minutes a day only going through a list, I'm encouraging you, church, break out of the Santa Claus mindset when it comes to praying. He wants to hear what's on your heart. He wants to hear that maybe right now you're scared about what's happening around the world, that your finances are in trouble. You need him to step in or that you're scared for someone's illness or you're grieving the loss of something here. He wants to hear the heart of his children. And I would submit to you, when we come to God, we want to do two things in prayer. One is we want to listen to him. 
And then we want to reply to him. We want to listen. We want to speak. We want to hear from him. We want to have a conversation with him. We want to hear from him. And we want to pray to him. Can I tell you in the years that I've been walking with God, the clearest way that I know to hear from God is right here in his word. And for me, it's inseparable to have a deep, thriving prayer life where I feel like I'm connecting with the heart of God apart from the word of God. And so while I want to be listening and then replying, listening and then praying, I would encourage you to be reading and hearing and listening and then responding. That you'd be listening and hearing and reading what he has to say and then praying. These two things combined, you will know what's on the heart of God. You will know the purposes of God. You will know what he has for your life. You will know what he desires for you. You will know his heart, that it's better than anything you could ever imagine for your life. You'll know the very will of God. When I include this inseparable pair of dwelling in the word of God, like Brian taught us a few weeks ago, that I might begin to pray to him and pour out my heart to him because he's worthy. I pray that this would be how we would move. When we pray the word of God, we know we're praying the will of God. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if he asks anything according to his word, he hears us. Excuse me, I mispronounced that. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask. Of him. Listen to what this says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That I could boldly come into the throne room where the holy God of the universe exists. That I could come in there and sit on that dad's lap and tell him whatever it is that's on my heart. The confidence that I can have in approaching God is that if I ask anything according to his will, where is his will? His will is found right here. It's revealed for you and for me. And that if I ask him anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us because he's an attentive God, we know we have what we've asked of him. Church, if I could encourage you in anything, it's that my prayer life needs work. Maybe yours does too. But can we break out of the, the Santa Claus, bring a list to him idea. And in these days where honestly praying makes sense, we have a lot on our minds these days, a lot of concerns these days. Would we bring him, the glory do his name, the praise do his name, and we will have the freedom to pray these things to him. And he is a good God who listens. And I want to close on this verse, probably familiar to many of you. It's perhaps it's new to some. But it's Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. And God's speaking to his nation in Israel, and he says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for, to give you a hope and a future. Listen to this. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. You will seek me, excuse me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I pray that you would believe this reality and promise from God's word that when you call upon him and come to him and pray to him that he will listen to you. Whether you're out mowing the lawn 
or driving in the car or walking around the block to get some exercise. God is always there, attentive and ready to listen. He's not playing hide and seek. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us into this relationship with you. And Lord, I want to pray, Lord, that we would really connect with you deeply in prayer. Would you help us break out of any patterns that we're in, Lord? We, would you bring us your, your tow truck or, or wrecker of your grace to pull us out of these ditches if we've slid off into one of these, believing a lie that somehow it's all up to me and I've got to get it right, I've got to say the right thing? Or Lord, if we've gone the other way and maybe we've lost a little hope, Lord, would you renew our faith? Would you help us believe? Would we hear you say, if you can do all things? I pray, Lord, that you would draw us close to yourself in these days. And I pray we would hear you say, is that it? I'm God. I can do all things. So we worship you, Lord. Help us connect deeply with you, we pray. And we do pray this in the power and by the privilege of the one who saved my life, Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net. Thanks.